welcome to Convo Around the Cove, the show that keeps you in the conversation about your city of Green Cove Springs. I'm Communications Coordinator Tiffany Reynolds, and today I'm here with Electric Utility Director Steve Howard. Thanks for taking the time to chat. Good morning. Our topic for today is something that's at the fingertips of every resident in Green Cove Springs, electricity. In just the past year, city council, and especially city staff, have worked to ensure that the electric department can meet the growing demand for electricity in Green Cove Springs. Can you tell us what improvements the electric department has done to meet that demand, Steve? Uh, yeah, but before we go there, I'd like to uh, refresh everybody's memory on, on what has taken place prior to this. Uh, in 2016, Green Coast Springs hired an engineering firm to analyze and evaluate the, the possible condition of the utility system at that time. The study confirmed Green Coast Springs' electric system had lacked the appropriate capital investment of its infrastructure to enhance electric growth and improve system reliability. So at this point, we're fast forwarding to 2019, a greater emphasis has already been implemented on addressing all electric outages, and with a strong economy in addition to the First Coast Expressway, Green Coast Springs must reevaluate the results of that 2016 electric system study, forecasting the potential future and growth opportunities. So the first step in reevaluating Green Coast Springs' electric future demands is an updated long-range plan based on 2019-2020 electric system needs for potential growth over the next five years. This would allow future electric system projects to incorporate future system demands, expediting construction time, and providing long-range economical savings. The completed projects that have been the results of the 2016 study were a voltage conversion uh, in the 4KV area. 4KV is a smaller voltage than the 13KV that is normally found in electrical distribution systems at this date. That in itself improved our line losses on our whole system. The second two projects were reconducting projects of Chapman 2 Circuit and Center Street. These two projects were needed so that we could have more capacity on our electric lines in the center part of the city to supply future needs and also to improve any type of storm restoration that may, we may need during heavy storm situations. The third was a reliability project which was surge protection for Chapman's feeders that come from all the way outside of town into town that feed um, all the electric system within the city. And the surge protectors provide a ground path for instantaneous overvoltages, which occur when we have large lightning storms, things of that nature. So you definitely want to protect those two lines, and that was a high priority. The fourth one was the installation of updated field reclosing devices for power restoration isolating capabilities. And when I say that, what I'm, what I'm explaining here is that when you have a large outage, what you try and do is you try and isolate and restore as much, much power as you can before you address the fault. And that way you keep more people in power and uh, your restoration times are improved. And uh, when you talk about the uh, 4K conversion and the uh, restoration switching in terms of increasing capacity, how does how does that exactly translate for for customers? When you when you say you know increasing the capacity and doing these conversions to 
um, make the system more up-to-date with current uh, demand? Well, when you look at your 4KV, 4KV, uh, I don't have the exact dates, but uh, that was the beginning of your power systems basically back in uh, probably the 50s or the 60s. So uh, engineering marvels and engineering technology has uh, brought us a lot further, okay, to today. So that the 4KV system was actually to improve line losses. Uh, the restoration that you're talking about in the uh, capacity, as you know, Green Coast Springs is growing. And uh, you, when you have to isolate or do restoration switching, within your town to get on as much power as you can during storm situations, all the wire has to be capable of uh, carrying that additional load you may put on it. So that's where the reconductoring comes into play. And um, you also mentioned as well about the the study to the 2019 study to identify some of the needs of the electric system can um, I know you mentioned that with some of the projects that you mentioned before um, but can you break that down a little bit you know what what were some of the needs that that were identified with the city's electrical system one one of the biggest changes since that period of time has been the economy that we're in and also the addition of the first coast expressway to make sure we're prepared for the growth that uh, both of those things bring to Green Coast Springs. We want to make sure that uh, any projects we do in the future are headed in the right direction to, to make sure we can handle that. Well, great, great. And um, I know that a major part of meeting increasing demand is improving the city's electric grid through the $10.7 million electric utility improvements loan uh, that was passed by the city council in April 2018. Uh, what projects has the city already completed under that loan, and uh, what's the priorities and projects moving forward? Well, we just discussed the, the completed projects. Mm -hmm. uh, the priority projects at this time would be uh, the FDOT-mandated relocation of existing Chapman 1 and 2 overhead circuits, uh, which conflict with the First Coast Expressway on 15A. Those have to be moved from overhead to underground um, per FDOT. And is, Th is that, that because the construction would be too close to, to those? Um, yes, ma'am. And, and um, uh, we wouldn't be able to gain the clearances over the expressway because that's going to be an overpass. Mm -hmm. And also uh, for them to be able to put the pilings down to support the bridge, our overhead lines would conflict with, with the locations of those. So all that has to be moved. Mm -hmm. uh, that is not involved with the capital improvement money, but it is a priority at this time because we have to meet deadlines to have that done. Now, what is involved with the capital money is improving the capacity of Chapman 1 and 2 to accommodate future growth north of Governor's Creek. Uh, we have seen a big interest in the growth north of Governor's Creek so uh, that, that is going to be involved with the study. Uh, installing a third circuit from Chapman Substation for possible South Green Coast Springs future growth will also be involved in this study. Uh, they're all going to affect Chapman Substation. We know at this time that we're going to need more capacity there for two reasons, not just for growth, but there's two transformers located there, and if we were to lose one of the transformers, due to any type of catastrophic failure, uh, we have to have the capacity in another transformer to be able to carry the whole load of the city. And those are uh, extremely important issues. 
the last one is replacing uh, the outdated underground system in Magnolia Point. And um, the conductor there is over some, in some areas over 30 years old. We don't have fusion capabilities in there to isolate faults. And so that's a, that's a high priority at this time. Yeah, sounds like there's, there's going to be a, a lot of growth in, in Green Cove Springs in, in the next couple of years. And I know that another major part of improving the city's electric grid, and, and this is um, on top of being a direct response to reduce the number of power outages that the city has experienced in previous years, is the FUE sacrifice system, which was started in January this year. Can you just explain what that system is and what kind of effect it's had on the city since its um, installation in January? Sure. Um, we'll talk about all the, the implementations of four different things that we did to try and improve our restoration times and our outages. Uh, the first one was fuse sacrifice. And our fuse sacrifice system is designed to isolate a system fault after only one reclosure operation. This limits the number of momentary interruptions the customer experience and identifies the fault location. Now, that sounds a little technical, so let me put it in layman terms for you. <laughs> um, generally, in a system, you have some type of apparatus that will identify a transient or mom- momentary fault, and it will operate basically open long enough for whatever creates that fault to clear itself. It can be vegetation. It can be um, uh, wildlife, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So... In the past, under a few save, what you do is you allow that apparatus to operate a minimum of three times before it actually opens up, creating a permanent fault. Mm. Under the fuse sacrifice system, you fuse everything down line of this apparatus. And what that does is when a, a let's say a tree limb or, or wildlife gets on the line, it actually creates a fault. The fault acti- activates the fuse. The fuse blows, opens that section. Your recloser, your upline device that did the trips we just talked about, mm-hmm. only operates one time, mm-hmm. which actually saves all the little blips and the uh, what customers, I'm sure, identify with you having to reset your di- digital apparatuses and things like that. Right, right. So... It also allows another thing. If you rely on your device, okay, your recloser, to do the trips and, and, and um, isolate the, the fault, which we call a transient fault because it doesn't create a, a permanent fault, mm-hmm. you have no way of identifying what created that fault or where it's at unless mm-hmm. you can find it. With few sacrifice, the fuse blows, so it isolates a small area, gives you a smaller investigation area to find that fault. And nine times out of ten, you will find that fault. And at that point, it's getting into the next thing we've done. When uh, when you go out there and fill out your outage report, we do an investigation at that time. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to develop some type of process to, to make arrangements for that fault not to happen again. Mm-hmm. Kind of a preventive program so to speak and uh, what what exactly um would your department do to to make sure that a fault doesn't happen um in that particular area once it's been identified it depends on what the fault is sometimes um it can be wildlife and that's part of the what i was going to identify 
as the four things that we've done. We've gone to great extent to start installing insulated hardware on the poles, mm-hmm. uh, where in the past it's been galvanized steel, which uh, actually leads a path to a vault. Mm. If, if uh, uh, something gets in between it, it becomes a second potential that uh, grounds things out and creates a fault. So if we insulate as much as we can on top of the pole, then the wildlife and the tree limbs and things like that that are generally involved in those type faults don't affect our system. Oh, and, that, and that's because it wouldn't if a animal or a tree limb you know falls on top of a top of a line or a pole, it wouldn't be immediately touching that electric current. It would be isolated. Okay, that's correct. Cool, cool. And uh, I know you said there was uh, four things that your department has done. Is there um, anything else? Sure. We we redesigned our outage reporting process. And so what we have now, instead of just reporting an outage, person on scene does a, a real-time investigation, so to speak, as to what created the fault. They don't just clear the fault. They look for what created the fault. Mm-hmm. Once they find it, okay, then... Uh, the new form, they come up with a process or a suggestion to help improve this not happening again. Mm -hmm. And because you are using experienced linemen to do that, they generally have a pretty good idea of what we can do to prevent it in the future. Mm -hmm. The the other thing is is that uh, over the last two years, the city has increased our vegetation right-of-way budget, and that has been extremely helpful. Prior to the new leadership we have, they were in what they would call a zone trimming. And what a zone trimming is, is when you pick a section of town Mm -hmm. and you trim that section of town and only that section of town, then you move to the next zone. What we do now is once a month, myself or my supervisor, we ride our mainline feeders all the way from Trapman until their dead end point. Mm-hmm. And we observe what's growing, where it's growing, how fast it's growing. Uh, if we see potential problems, we go ahead and take our tree trimming people and move them to that area and go ahead and do that trimming at that time. Oh, okay. We have discovered that over a period of six months that we do have areas in Green Cove that grow faster than others. Hmm. So therefore, they need more attention. Right. Uh, one for sure is our palm tree. You know, our, our, our beautiful Florida palm trees uh, <laughs> grow at an alarming rate, it seems like, in Green Cove. So there are areas that you will see us there two or three times a year, when in the past they'd only been in a zone for once a year. Right. And so in doing that, I think that uh, that and the additional of the few sacrifice system have, have been the two leading um uh, leading actions we've taken to improve our system reliability and decreases our outages. Yeah, yeah, and and I know with um, the few sacrifice system, it was uh, implemented in in phases. With uh, with one area of the city being implemented in January, and then I think around uh, March or so, the few sacrifice was implemented in in other areas. Where um, where's your department at with that? Is the whole city now converted into a few sacrifice? Um, the whole city has been converted. We are reevaluating a couple places, working with an engineering group, because we haven't seen the results we want to see. Uh, this all stemmed from in the latter part of 2018, our leadership at Green Coast Springs changed. 
And uh, that leadership came in and immediately began evaluating how everything was being done. And the emphasis at that point was definitely put on outages. Mm. And so in doing that, we've gone back and reevaluated everything. And that's where this has all came from. And uh, I also understand that the uh, city recently reorganized its electric department. I know that the city council approved uh, staff to terminate his contract with Hooper Corporation and return to the department um, to be staffed by full-time city employees. Could you kind of explain the reason behind that change and and what's the goals with uh, going back to a full-time city staff moving forward? Sure. We're very enthusiastic about it. Uh, like I said, in the latter part of 2018, the city of Green Cove uh, chose new leadership. The new leadership began evaluating operational priorities and guidelines by which Green Cove's electric system was being operated. The conclusion was the need for a different approach to Green Cove Springs electric distribution needs, which put greater emphasis on electric system reliability and future customer electric demands, mm. which are, your, to me, and to a lot of people, are your two number one priorities when when you have customers. Yeah. Uh, so now that that's taken place, our, our new goals are, uh, number one, continuing uh, concentration efforts on reducing the number of customers experiencing electric outages within our electric system. Uh, number two is uh, having a permanent full-time qualified staff. Uh, that, in, in, in this arena, Nowadays, that's uh, something that's very important. Uh, the more highly trained your, your people are, the more efficient you're going to be. Uh, and the next one is upgrading existing system facilities that will increase system load capabilities for future expansion opportunities. Now, that's all put together and sounds good, so let's talk about that. I was going to say, um, could you explain that a little yes, bit? Yes, <laughs> ma'am, I will. Um, basically, we see the need to increase our capacity for our future needs based on like we talked about earlier. We have the uh, First Coast Expressway coming into the south of town. We have a, um, I would say, an unexpected uh, growth interest in our northern, everything north of Governor's Creek. Uh, We have two large companies that have come in there that's going to increase the demand for power. and, of course, we have our infrastructure that is growing, developing uh, housing for what I call the common working man. So all these things affect your power system. Your power system has to have the, the capacity to deliver, you know, um, solid power quality, good power quality electricity to all these facilities and, and in-use in customers. So, so that is a huge project for the future. Uh, that's the reason why we're bringing on the, uh, an engineering group to go back and review the 2016 studies because things have changed some. And um, I think that and the uh, um, reducing the outages is our big priorities and our goals for the future. Cool, cool. And, and how's that uh, transition been going so far with, um, with the city staff that, that's now a part of the electric department? Uh, we feel very fortunate. Uh, that transition, I think, is being made successful not just because of the folks in the electric department. Uh, we have a great group of other departments within the city that have all contributed to the growth of the electric department because we're limited on employees right now and we're trying to hire 
employees. A lot of these departments have taken on job duties that they may not normally take on, or we may be modifying some of those job duties. And because of the cooperation and because of the teamwork, I feel like it's it's been very successful so far. Well, great, great. Well, I think that's about all the questions uh, we have for today. Thanks so much for your time, Steve Howard. <laughs> hey, I enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again in the future. Now for your news around the cove. Here's the latest from City Hall. Green Cove Springs Police Department recently bought 10 Cardiac Science G5 Automated External Defibrillators, or AEDs, through a $12,655 grant from the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation. These new machines will replace the older AED machines used in the department's patrol vehicles, as well as placed in vehicles that need the AEDs. The police department also recently purchased the opioid overdose reversal drug Narcan. Once police officers are trained, Green Coast Springs Police Department will be the first law enforcement agency in Clay County to be equipped with the drug. Narcan can instantly reverse and stop the effects of heroin and other opioid drugs, which will not only help save an addict's life, but also that of an officer exposed to these drugs while responding to calls. Green Cove Springs Christmas Parade, hosted by the Green Cove Springs Business League, will be lighting up the streets of downtown starting 6 p.m. on Saturday, December 7th. This is the second year the parade will be held in the evening, with all the floats lit with Christmas lights. This year's theme is a Nutcracker Christmas, and different prizes will be awarded to floats. Registration to be part of the parade is still open at gcsbl.com under Christmas Parade. Green Cove Springs Business League also needs adult parade volunteers to distribute flyers, set up the parade staging area and judges area, check over floats, be a parade route usher or parking lot attendant, and more. Volunteer applications can be found at gcsbl.com. Christmas on Walnut Street will fill the streets of downtown and Spring Park with the Christmas spirit on Saturday, December 7th from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. Don't miss an afternoon of music, food, craft vendors, and Kids Zone with a chance to visit Santa in Spring Park. Jingle Bell Fun Run by the Florida Striders Track Club and Green Cove Springs Business League starts at 5.45 p.m. and leads into the Green Cove Springs Christmas Parade and the lighting of the City Hall Christmas tree. That's all the news for today. Thanks for joining Convo Around the Cove. Keep an eye out on the city's social media for our next discussion topic. Send your questions to City of Green Cove Springs Government on Facebook and at GCS Today on Twitter. And remember, it wouldn't be a conversation without you. Send any topic suggestions about city projects or about city government to City of Green Cove Springs Government on Facebook and at GCS Today on Twitter. Talk to you later.